Okay, I'm going to try to... Uh, so many noises. I'm going to try to record this opening real quick before Basil starts to snore again. This is episode 112 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's guest is a returning guest, the CEO of Bigfoot Biomedical, Jeffrey Brewer. You guys must remember, because Jeffrey's episode back in episode 49 is literally the most downloaded episode of this podcast. Nobody loves technology more than people living with diabetes. That is what this has taught me. And Basil did not snore the entire time. How are you, Scott? Good, good, good. How have you been? I've uh, been busy. I would imagine. We're, uh, yes, we're keeping busy. I'm sure you are as well. I appreciate you coming back on and doing this again. It's, uh, uh, without an over-exaggeration, the most downloaded episode of the podcast. Well, that's fantastic. I'm uh, very excited to hear people's interest and enthusiasm. We, we see a lot of evidence of that, and it is something that motivates us. Uh, to do what we're doing. We've got a lot of work to do, but we feel a tremendous obligation, uh, not only to our loved ones affected by diabetes, but uh, the broader community, which has rallied around us. And uh, that's a big, big part of our mission. Let me remind you that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making changes to your medical plan. This episode of the Juice Box podcast is brought to you by Omnipod and Dexcom. You can learn more about each at their websites myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox and dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. I'll tell you more later. Well, I just thought, you know, it had been a while. I think you were back in like episode like 49 and I'm up to like 110. So I thought that that's long enough. I just thought it had been enough time uh, that maybe we should check back in and see how things are going. You know, how the process has been going since the last time we spoke and and where it's headed and and what you guys are up to and see if you have timelines that you can share with people and, and that kind of stuff. Great. Fantastic. Let's introduce you just one more time, just in case somebody's hearing this one and didn't hear the last one. Okay. So Jeffrey Brewer, uh, one of the founders and the CEO of Bigfoot Biomedical. And our mission is to take technology and make it smart and help people with type 1 diabetes live better lives, uh, help their doctors to uh, more easily and scalably uh, support them, and then to get all this stuff reimbursed so that uh, people don't have to spend so much time and energy uh, running around with prescriptions and fighting with insurance companies. Uh, We aspire to deliver the whole package such that people have the tools they need to spend less time on diabetes, be safer, and and have better lives. And that's a very personally inspired mission. Uh, Many people here at Bigfoot have a direct connection to the disease. Uh, I think we have about 50 people now, and about 40% of those have a uh, have the disease themselves, uh, have a kid with the disease, a spouse, uh, one has a brother, uh, a nephew. Uh, we have an understanding of the problem we're solving uh, from a variety of perspectives, and we think that gives us a big advantage. And we think the technologies are mature and ready to go, as evidenced by uh, my co-founder, Brian Maslish, who was the first one to hack into a, an insulin pump and a continuous glucose monitor and harness the power of a smartphone and uh, create a chronic disease management system that uh, has been serving the needs of his wife and son for 
now more than four years. And as you know, uh, through Open APS and, and Loop and other efforts, now there are hundreds of people doing the same. Uh, so it's not a question of whether the technology exists. It's can you actually take it, package it, get it through a regulatory process and, and support it as a company. And that's what we're here to do. So you have to get, I mean, beyond satisfying government, the government at, that you're making a safe product, you're, you're, it sounds like you're, I guess that the main paths you're walking down are, you know, you got to make it scalable. Can you make it affordable that you guys can even develop it, that people can make it, that you can get it out into the world? Uh, I guess you have to support it as a customer service. And you're really, you're starting a business. You're not just developing a product, but you're starting a business from the ground up. And you have people thinking about how do, how do we make this work through the, the healthcare um, chain for insurance? That's a lot of big ideas all at once. And you have 50 people working on it? Uh, 50 people uh, now, yeah. Uh, and we'll have more uh, by the time we get to the marketplace. Yeah, th- this is what's required to, uh, uh, to do this. And, and we think about it as uh, creating a business. And, and uh, businesses need to be able to uh, 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 deliver, not just create and, and package. Uh, uh, the technology exists. Uh, the remaining challenge is really about creating the business around it. And it requires a, a, a very different approach than medical device has historically taken. Um, you know, I look at medical device as uh, an industry that historically was targeted at uh, hospitals and doctors and doctors' offices. Uh, those are very uh, trained and, and uh, sophisticated users for diagnostic equipment, for drug delivery equipment, uh, surgical equipment in some cases. Uh, that's not the, the person we're developing for, because the person we're developing for is an average consumer. Uh, all different levels of education, uh, income, access to health care. Uh, uh, there are uh, a lot of different use cases uh, with much less sophisticated and engaged users that uh, need to be anticipated. Uh, these things need to be hardened for real-world use in a way that you would never contemplate uh, in traditional medical device. And that's part of the problem is uh, complexity needs to come out of it, uh, needs to be simpler to train, to support. There's a lot of the cost in these existing medical device businesses for insulin pumps, for instance. Uh, it's the training. It's the support. It's the customer service center to uh, remediate inquiries about very complicated products that, that frankly require too much training and have too many steps. And you, know, you take something like filling an insulin reservoir. That actually takes... 45 minutes to train somebody to take insulin out of a vial, get it into a proprietary reservoir, load it into a pump, uh, prime uh, the tubes. Uh, That uh, is a process which uh, is very expensive. Um, And then you have to actually uh, pay for the proprietary reservoir. Uh, Something like uh, our uh, product where you're going to be able to take a a pre-existing cartridge that's already filled with insulin. You don't have to train anybody to fill it because it's already filled. And then you just slap it into a pump that doesn't need a battery uh, or to be recharged. So you've eliminated that step. And then you put the cap on and it automatically primes itself. So you can look at that as a, from the standpoint of convenience. And it certainly is easier for a person. It'll improve their quality of life to use the system. But that also means we saved as a business the cost to train somebody to do that. And then to actually answer the phone and support them when they need additional uh, brush-up training or when they make a mistake. Uh, Taking complexity out is uh, what consumer design is about. 
so that people have fewer opportunities to make mistakes or to misuse the product. That's not really how medical device thinks. Um, they think about adding features. They think about adding knobs, adding switches, because that's what traditionally the uh, trained medical professionals want. But uh, all that complexity uh, just makes it harder. And so we have a very different approach. I think, I think that ease of use for the, you know, for the patient, the end user, is it's possibly the most important part. Because if I hit too many speed bumps on my way to this, I could just give up. You, you know, if, if this stuff isn't simple to use and actually works, then what's the point? You, you know, and then the, and the sadness there is that when somebody goes to all the trouble to get, get a device and then it doesn't, it doesn't work or it takes, you know, so much understanding that, that they can't seem to get to it, they don't just give up and go back to some other great device that doesn't work. Sometimes people go back to what they were doing before that wasn't working for them. You're really affecting their health if you don't deliver them a product that's going to just you know in that apple term like what did that uh, steve jobs used to say like we just it should work right the we should open the box and it should just be doing what it's supposed to do and and that's how you keep people happy and engaged i think that i think that's very important on the health side too oh it's absolutely it's important it's not, yeah absolutely yeah. important and and I, that's why i hate this term compliance patients aren't compliant which is mm -hmm. i think it's a way for uh, the companies to blame the patient uh, for right. bad product design. Um, it, the way it's we like, actually... It's doc I was going to say, Jeffrey, it's like the doctor speak. Like, hey, I gave you 10 steps to follow. You didn't do all of them. It's not my fault you're not getting the A1C you want. That's exactly you right. Do, you didn't do what I told you. Yeah, it, it's, it's... It's patient blaming. And, and the way uh, we think about it is so much different. Uh, we don't use terms like compliance. Um, uh, we don't give ourselves that out. I, I say... If you didn't do the thing that is best to keep you healthy, then we didn't do our jobs to make it easy enough and intuitive enough. Because mm -hmm. people want to be healthy. They, they want to do the right thing. Uh, they they uh, just have a lot of roadblocks put in their way. And so it's our job to remove those roadblocks. If people aren't doing the thing that's best for their health, then I failed at my job to make it easy enough and supporting them in doing so. And that's a really, you know, that's a wonderful goal because they're not just people, you know, when, you, when you're helping someone with diabetes, as an example, it's not just this person who's standing in front of you perfectly healthy, nothing's going wrong in their life, and you're asking them to take some steps to get something, some great benefit for them. They're going to, I don't know, they're going to get a free car at the end or something like that. You're just, you're telling them you have to jump through all these hoops and everything just to stay healthy. And by the way, while I'm asking you to jump through these hoops, you may not be feeling well your blood sugar could be high it could be low you could just be like you said earlier some people understand better than other people so so if i start off in a process that i don't quite understand as well as you do should i not get the same great outcome like that just yeah i mean what you're saying just it really hits me strongly i think it's fantastic that that's how you guys are are going about this and and that does really come from having so many people you know, affected by type one and, and not, not for nothing, but with, you know, when you, you, you yourself started the company to have a child with type one, your understanding of, of the barriers is, is very personal. So, and, and I, I yeah. will tell you, it's not that I'm smarter than anybody else. And they got a lot of smart people working at these companies, but, uh, I, I didn't even know, uh, until I was so close to it, uh, the, the relentlessness of, uh, the disease. This is another thing that, that really is hard to understand until you're living it. Uh, any one step in isolation, you know, because you can imagine being at a medical device company and they say, here's a very simple thing. We'll just train them to do this. 
Uh, we don't need automation. We don't need to make it simpler. We can just tell them, do these three steps. And these three steps are pretty simple. But do these three steps three times a day for the rest of your life. Th th that adds up. <laughs> everything you have to think about, everything you have to do, uh, it, it is, uh, at some point, you know, there's a straw that breaks the camel's back. It's just too much. And, and people have various uh, levels of appetite to, to deal with it. Uh, my theory is that everybody has a portion of their life that they're willing to, to give to diabetes. Uh, for some people, uh, they're willing to be more engaged, spend more time thinking about it to actually get a better outcome for themselves. Um, but most people, whatever that amount of time is they're going to put into the disease or the emotional energy and, and uh, time thinking about it, uh, it doesn't really change. Um, and for some people, they're just going to prioritize living their lives and they're going to, you know, whatever happens, happens. Uh, my approach is to say, whatever you're going to give it, I want to make the best use of it. So I don't want you doing things that a computer could do. I don't want you doing things that I could design out of the process. I only want you focusing on the most important things that you have to do as a patient to make yourself uh, safe and, and healthy. And all the uh, uh, tasks around that that I could take out, it's my job to do so. I don't want you running around looking for uh, supplies and prescriptions and fighting with insurance companies because that time is going to subtract from time that could meaningfully uh, make you healthier. And, and that doesn't add to your health at all. It just adds to the disease burden. So we look at the whole footprint of everything you have to do to stay alive with this disease. And wherever we can erode uh, away some of that burden, uh, we're going to do so. And it just turns out there's a lot of opportunity. Excellent. Well, that's wonderful. Okay, so the I'm trying to think back to the last time I spoke with you. It's got to be over a year ago. And you guys were getting ready for trials, but I know now you've been in them for a while. Is that right? Like mid-2016, did you start your trials? Sure. We, uh, we did our first uh, clinical trial and mm -hmm. uh, successfully completed that last year where we tested our system, uh, the automated uh, insulin delivery system, uh, using the infusion pump and the CGM and the app on the smartphone. Uh, that was tested in adults and pediatrics uh, uh, last fall and uh, successfully completed that step. Our uh, current activities are geared towards locking down the system design for the test of the Pivotal, uh, which will begin later this year. Uh, that uh, is the final step for a regulatory submission to the FDA for uh, the ability to commercialize the system in the United States. Yeah, and, and so you obviously, anything with the FDA is, you know, the timelines are sort of specious at points, but do you have a, a goal? Like, do you think uh, somebody will be able to order the product at a certain time? Or do you have like even a span of, I mean, how do you think about it? I guess is my question. Yeah, no, I, I actually have very, uh, very, uh, uh, very concrete plans. Uh, th this is the difference between an academic trial uh, and a company, uh, I have to have a plan and I actually have to, uh, execute against that plan because I've only got so much money. You know, th this is an expensive thing to do. Um, basically this, uh, company, you know, when you get 50 people, you're burning between, uh, a, a million and 2 million a month. Uh, that runway, uh, it, it can only be so long before you have to actually show what you've done and, and make some progress uh, in order to raise more money. Uh, our timeline is to go into a pivotal trial uh, later this year or uh, very beginning of next year. Uh, that will be a trial 
that even though uh, it's probably going to be three months uh, at home uh, uh, for each participant, uh, a three-month trial like that, you don't start everybody on day one. Uh, you have to stagger uh, just for training purposes. Um, mm-hmm. Then you have to do the adults before you do the kids. Uh, FDA stages those as would be appropriate. Uh, if you're moving at light speed, which, and I think we're the fastest anybody's ever moved in medical device, and certainly what's called class three medical device, which is the highest level of regulatory scrutiny, uh, turning a three-month trial around in nine months uh, to a year, um, that's about as fast as it could get, and is uh, probably twice or three times as fast as anybody's done it so far. Right. Uh, once well, we, I mean, Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say that you're in a real situation. Like, you know, I think it's pretty obvious that that an artificial pancreas system, whatever you want to call it, a closed loop or anything like that, the idea of a glucose monitor helping a device make decisions about how much insulin you get or don't get, I I think it's fairly clear to anybody paying attention that this is the way forward right now with these devices. And so every serious company who's making an insulin pump is, I'm assuming, in this same exact race that you're in right now. And, you know, and, and that's, I mean, I think that's great, first of all. I think it's great that everybody's pushing everybody forward. But as a business person, that's not great to hear. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like, hey, I developed a great hot dog and I can get a card out on the corner. And then somebody comes out on the opposite corner, the other corner, the other corner. And, you know, all of a sudden, it's a lot of people trying to sell hot dogs. So um, it, it just, it's, I don't know, like from a, I'm, I'm thinking of it from a consumer perspective. Like, I'm completely heartened to think that everyone's out there hustling. You, you know what I mean? Like, it can only mean good things for us, I think. But I'm, I'm not sure how it feels from a, from a business side, I guess. Before Jeffrey tells me what he thinks about competition, let's hear from one of the companies that's out there also hustling, making an artificial pancreas, Omnipod. You know, one day Omnipod will have an artificial pancreas, but in the meantime, you shouldn't be waiting around. I don't like the idea of you sitting at home thinking, well, it's only another year and a half or two years away, we'll just wait. Don't wait. Why would you trade now for later? I don't get that at all. If you're sitting around right now with injections or a pump that you don't like, and you're thinking, well, I don't want to switch because I'm going to switch again in two years. Two years is a very long time from now. There is a lot of good health to be had between now and when the artificial pancreas arrives. I genuinely believe that you should go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box and begin the demo process with Omnipod. They're going to send you out a small, no obligation demo pod that you can you know, look at, hold, feel, touch, apply to your skin, really see what it would be like. And if it's something that you'll like, if you think, oh, wow, that Scott was right about this Omnipod, then you just keep the process going with them and they'll help you get started with your insurance. And before you know it, you'll be using the same great insulin pump that Arden's been using forever. Go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. Don't wait. Don't wait for something that's coming in the future because you never know when it's really going to come. But you do know what's here today. What's here today is tubeless insulin pumping that you do not need to disconnect for to go swimming or to take a shower or to play a sport. The ability to fine tune your basal rates and bump your insulin around just a little bit here and a little bit there. I want to have a small snack, no big deal, push a button. There's no tubing attached to me. I am not getting caught on doorknobs. Omnipod exists right now. Go get it. Myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. Okay, let's get back to Jeffrey and what I think is an amazing answer to my question about competition in the marketplace. When I first uh, engaged with JDRF back in 2004 and, and Aaron Kowalski and I started the Artificial Pancreas Project, the uh, mission of that project uh, 
was literally to create a thriving and competitive marketplace of options for automated insulin delivery. That, we, that was written down on paper at the very beginning. Uh, we thought competition was an important part of uh, what we were trying to achieve at JDRF. And if you look around us, uh, where do you see uh, good things happening and happening quickly uh, for customers? Uh, only in competitive uh, environments, only when you have a bunch of companies that are trying to one-up each other over time. Uh, that's the only place you see competition. And then when you look at places where you have a sole source provider, uh, you know, your cable company, <laughs> uh, you, you uh, look at, uh, you know, a company that dominates the insulin pump landscape uh, that has not had uh, strong competition over time, uh, you don't see that level of competition and you don't see that level of innovation as a result. So I'm a big believer in uh, competition. Um, I'm happy for us to compete against anybody else's uh, uh, idea for what meets the customer needs. And you know, at the end of the day, not any one solution works for everybody. That, that's a key aspect of this. Right now, every company will tell you, um, uh, I have the solution that meets all of your needs. So if you're insulin, you got to go tubeless. The, the world's about tubeless. If you're Dexcom, it's about CGM. And now if you're Medtronic, it's about the 670G. Well, I think each of those uh, solutions, uh, as they currently exist, is appropriate for and uh, a very good solution for a part of the marketplace. Uh, Bigfoot's vision is that it's all of that and more that, that we need to be able to offer. So, for instance, uh, there are going to be a lot of people taking shots for a very long period of time off into the future that won't be on insulin pumps. Now, I actually think if you make it easier to use an insulin pump and you actually uh, don't require so much uh, uh, burden in terms of training and day-to-day and, and -day interaction with the devices that a lot of more people will want to be on pumps. But at the end of the day, we also need to help people to take shots in the right amount at the right time. It's part of Bigfoot's vision, and in fact, we'll be making some announcements in the relatively near future, that we're going to have a connected injection component as well. So taking the same technology, apps on the smartphone, machine learning, and taking that information you get from a BGM or a CGM and helping people to be taking the right amount of a basal insulin, the right amount of a mealtime insulin. Today, if you're on shots, literally nobody knows what you're taking. Because unless you keep a log, which is going to be flawed just by its very nature, uh, there's no record of what people are injecting. That's pretty appalling for such a dangerous and important drug that most people... There's no log, there's no actual data source that will tell you how much of it they're taking and when. Uh, that problem needs to be fixed too. And so we, we view us uh, uh, as needing to provide a bunch of solutions that will meet different customer needs. Some people want to be on shots, some people will wear a pump, some people want a patch pump, some people want a tethered pump. There are uh, different use cases and people prefer different ways of uh, getting that insulin into their bodies. Bigfoot over time is going to support them all because that's what a true consumer-focused company would do is provide you with options and uh, a way to individualize uh, this to your life, not make you fit the technology, uh, not make you fit your life around the technology, but rather the other way around. So I feel like I, I'm listening between the lines a little bit. I'm hearing what I'm feeling like is that you have the data that's coming that you're seeing from the CGM in your in your study you feel like it could go into an app that would then direct a person who's doing injections on when and how much to inject? 
Absolutely. That, I, Absolutely. That's what, that's what I'm hearing, right? Okay. So people, people based on uh, uh, gross formulas that may be very out of date, they come up with a uh, amount of Lantus they're taking, right? Uh, they come up with carb ratios and correction factors. They uh, have a formula for how to inject insulin. Uh, all of that is uh, most times due to, uh, as a result of out-of-date uh, information. People change over time. Their bodies change. Their insulin sensitivity changes across the day. Uh, people change activities and lifestyle in a way that uh, uh, never actually matches up with the doctor visit. And most times the doctors don't actually have the data to make informed changes in all these ratios anyway. So that's perfect for a computer. But the thing that's lacking is getting the insulin data. I need to know how much you're taking if I'm going to make a change to it. And that is the final uh, technology piece that we're adding, which is uh, something that will durably allow us to track a, uh, uh, for instance, a Lantus pen in terms of how much gets injected or a Novolog pen. a technology which will mate with existing disposable insulin pens and allow us to capture that data and then actually make recommendations for people. Because without that, you're now asking somebody to record what they've done, which allows for, for human error, but it also allows for what we talked about earlier is it just makes things harder. And nobody and does it. More <laughs> steps and nobody, you're right. You're not yeah. going to do it. And then all of a sudden now this thing's making decisions based on information that may or may not be correct. And wow. Yeah. I mean... You know, I got a phone call. This is a little off the track, but I got a phone call like a week ago from like a like a middleman PR company that I know that you know I, I've helped in the past, and they're like, "Hey, we have a client, and they're going to launch an app." And I was like, "Okay." And they start explaining the app, and I'm like, "This is a waste of time." I said, "Your client is wasting their time. They're wasting their money." I said, "You need to make people's lives easier, not." Not go, hey, look, we were able to make an app. Look what it does. It does nothing. It, it, you know what I mean? It tracks nothing. It doesn't, it doesn't help me live better with diabetes. It doesn't help me be healthier. Like, what, don't foist this on people. I'm just, I feel like I've seen a thousand apps come and go where somebody's like, this is what it's going to do for you. And in the end, they never do anything. And well, so it, it, I'm excited it, for this. It's, how much are you requiring a, a, of a person to... Uh, put into this app in order to get anything out of it, and and, and it's not a good trade-off. You, you put right. way more in than you get out. If you tell me I have to record data, no, uh, that that will be done by a small fraction of people for a short period of time, uh, and not reliably. So no recording of data in the Bigfoot world. Um, I passively collect everything that is done with the system. That's why you have to think about it as a system. So the BGM has to come prepared to uh, the pump. The CGM needs to have a graceful pairing procedure uh, such that you're able to have the fewest number of steps. And then everything talks to each other. I never have to even press a button to upload because it's going through the phone and it's streaming to the cloud. Uh, All of it happens automatically. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to make it happen. And then the data is there. That is table stakes, I believe, for being able to do this right. If I ask somebody to give me anything but, and this is the one thing we still will have to ask for for a while, is some meal data. Uh, I can't uh, do that automatically in a safe way, but I can actually simplify when you're eating. Uh, Are you eating a small, medium, large? Give me a way to sort of bucketize, uh, if that's a word, uh, these meals. 
identify patterns uh, so that people have selections that are pre-filled and they can just click OK. We, we can do that, but we still will need to get a little bit of information about meals. But other than that, every glucose reading, every insulin dose, uh, all that should be completely passive and in the background and automated. So, so let me ask you something because of, about that idea of like a large meal, small meal. Like, I don't, I don't know how much you recall from our last conversation, but I'm not a numbers person at all around diabetes. Everything is my recollection of how much about that much food takes. I feel like I am doing what you're describing a computer doing, which I'm, by the way, very excited not to do anymore. Uh, but it, it's one of those things where I like I look at my daughter's meal and I go, okay. You know, that's probably seven units, but I'm going to give her nine. And that way, if nine's too much, the Dexcom will tell me and then I'll cut her basil off for an hour and I'll trade it here and there and, and to, you know, to stay ahead of like spikes and things like that. And is that basically what the system does? Like if it's a big meal, does it does it err on the side of caution and then cut back basil to make up for it or how does it how does it keep that balance going? I don't want you to get so technical that it yeah. bored, but I would love to know if you're allowed. No, I, I I don't have to get technical at yeah. all because I, I don't actually think in technical terms. I think from the standpoint of the user. So here here's what you do. Um, basically, you know your body's got this need for a trickle flow of insulin in the background. We call that basal. Um, the the body needs a different uh, uh, rate of that at different times of the day. Um, in our world, that goes away. You literally don't have to know what basal rates are and how they change, because we're going to set that for you. That is a big innovation in and of itself. And more importantly, your doctor doesn't have to know what that is, because most people are actually treated by primary care providers for type 1 diabetes, uh, actually two-thirds of them in this, this country. Uh, the doctors don't know about that stuff either. So basal rates go away. You're going to get the right trickle flow that's going to match your body, and we're going to self-tune that based on the data we get. That's actually the, the pretty easy part. The, the harder part is when your body is changing due to some you know, temporary uh, disturbances, you're, you're sick or you're exercising, um, and then meals, which is the big one, right? So most people uh, you know, today, uh, they're either giving units uh, uh, of insulin for a meal or, or they're carb counting. So you need to be able to support both of those. If, in fact, you think in units, and, and many people do, especially people uh, who are uh, taking injections, um, we'll support that. So around the meal, you'll tell us how many units to give for this. We're going to encourage you over time to think more in terms of carb buckets. Uh, and if you already carb count, that'll be an easy transition. But we're going to relax the need to be so precise because that false precision hasn't been getting anybody anything anyway. If I look at a muffin and I say, that's 35 grams. Well, the one thing I know is it ain't 35 grams. <laughs> it could be 20. It could be 60. Um, you know, you've done the same thing. You pick up a piece of bread. You're like, how dense is it? You know, <laughs> does it have sugar in it? Uh, we're making wild guesses. And let's just uh, accept that and say, let's give people uh, less cognitive load by not making them be falsely precise. 37 grams. So we're going to give them some buckets, some ranges. They're going to click the button, and then the automation system will watch and monitor. And it will see over the next hour uh, where you're headed. And if you're going to be headed towards a uh, high blood sugar or low blood sugar out of the range um, that you should be in, then the basal rate is going to adapt. It's going to increase or uh, go down to zero uh, in order to try and keep glucose in range. That might not be enough. 
So what will also happen is if we're not able to land you in a safe place through the complete automation, we'll be able to dialogue with you and through the phone where you live to actually uh, indicate whether you need to do a correction, whether you need to consume some carbs, and to do that way before the problem uh, eventuates, uh, not at the time you're in trouble and the time that you're going to be most cognitively compromised. In fact, we're constantly thinking uh, for you, doing for you what we can, and then recommending and dialoguing with you whenever there's a problem. And there can be many problems, as you know. Um, it could be that you didn't uh, judge the meal uh, uh, properly, or you announced a meal and then you got interrupted and didn't finish the meal, and you forgot about that, and you're already giving yourself insulin. It also could be that your insulin is cooked because you've been at the beach and <laughs> you're not getting as much for it. Um, it could be that you have an inclusion uh, in the infusion set. Uh, we're going to actually be watching, and whenever we see data that doesn't make sense, like for instance, if I see that you're rising uh, very rapidly in glucose, but you did no meal announcement, pretty good bet is that you have one of a few things happening. Uh, if it happened around mealtime, you probably didn't do a bolus for the meal. I, that'll be my first question. If it happened just after you changed the infusion set, then I know the infusion set is probably bad. Um, if you're at the beach and you've been exposed to ambient temperatures you know, of 100 degrees for the last day, you know, maybe the insulin's cooked. So what, what we're doing is we're watching and looking for all these different uh, 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 data sources and trying to see, you know, what the problem might be and help you to actually get to the solution as quickly as possible so you can get back to living your life. And, and you know that all this today is completely and totally on the patient. You have to be looking for all this stuff. You have to be thinking. You have to be monitoring. You have to be interpreting the data. A, a lot of this actually can be uh, built into a decision support system that just helps you get there quicker with less thinking. And when you talk about it like that, when you say we, you mean the system itself and, and the interface you have on the phone, not like OnStar where somebody's going to pop in and start. Uh, uh, only uh, if necessary. And there aren't that many cases where that's actually necessary. Um, right. Yes. When I say we, I mean Bigfoot. You know, Bigfoot becomes your partner. Um, and that partner is a technology for the most part. Um, and a person gets involved when a person has to because it's a problem that the computer can't fix. And it actually turns out that the computer can do a lot. Computers are really great at the following thing. They're good at doing a calculation at the exact uh, uh, precise interval, like every five minutes, uh, and not getting that calculation wrong in terms of the math, and never forgetting to do that calculation. Computers are great at things like that. Repetitive. They have an answer. Uh, human beings are terrible. <laughs> they get bored. They get distracted. They make mistakes. We're looking for variety. So wherever you think you have things that computers can do because they're not going to forget or they're not going to get the wrong answer, uh, that's what a computer should be doing. How would it handle a sick day, for instance? So I'm, my blood sugar is low, but I have ketones. How does that work? And has that come up in, test, in trials yet? You guys listen to this podcast, you hear me all the time, I'm talking to somebody, and at the same time, Arden's at school, and I say, oh, Arden's blood sugar is 108. We pre-bolus for lunch, and she was 92 when I gave her the insulin. How do I know that? As most of you may know, obviously, my daughter Arden uses the Dexcom G5 mobile continuous glucose monitoring system that tracks her glucose levels throughout the day and night, 
notifying her of highs and lows so she can take action. But that's not all it does. Dexcom also has a share feature, so Arden can have up to five loved ones, like her mom and I, track her numbers in real time. No matter where Arden is or what she's doing, she always has backup. Now, if that is the kind of peace of mind that seems like something that you'd like to know more about, I think you should go to Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox or click on the link in your show notes. Please keep in mind that CGM-based treatment requires finger sticks for calibration, may result in hypoglycemia if calibration not performed or symptoms expectations do not match CGM readings. You can always contact Dexcom toll-free at 877-339-2664 for detailed indications for use and safety information. Look, this isn't part of the ad, obviously. Wait till you hear what I'm about to say. But sure, Dexcom might write some stiff ad copy, but they are world-class at making a continuous glucose monitor. Ask yourself, what do you want? You want a company that writes great ads, or do you want a company that makes amazing glucose monitors? Pretty easy decision. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Let's get back to the show. What was it I was going to ask, Jeffrey? A sick day, for instance. So I'm, my blood sugar is low, but I have ketones. How does that work? And has that come up in, test, in trials yet? Uh, it, we, we have not had anybody who has uh, uh, had ketones uh, in trials, but uh, as you know, that will happen. You get enough people uh, using this. The, the standard is um, uh, not am I going to be able to fix everything in a perfect way. My standard is am I going to help you to do better than you otherwise would have done with existing standards of care? So uh, if you have uh, ketones, if you have dangerously high blood sugar, I will notify you earlier um, and suggest a remediation uh, than you would probably figure out yourself. Um, I will watch and continue watching um, and see how what you have done uh, is working. And then if some uh, way you find yourself in trouble uh, and need help, I'm actually going to get that help for you. Um, And when I say I, it's Bigfoot. Um, So uh, this is the beauty of a connected system. there are very, you can think of it as having a bunch of loops. You know, people talk about closed loop. Well, one loop is between the CGM and the pump, and that's just constantly monitoring, monitoring, uh, changing the basal rate in response to glucose projections. Uh, that's a good thing in itself, but it doesn't solve all problems. If I take a big bolus and don't eat the meal, uh, I'm, I'm going to need carbs, and, and the, the algorithm is not going to save me. Um, what needs to happen is then I need to get a dialogue uh, through my phone um, about how to solve that problem, which in this case is simple, eating carbs. But if I don't actually do that because I've gotten to a point where I'm uh, not uh, cognitively able to engage uh, or uh, otherwise uh, in danger, this phone being on the grid, so to speak, can send out the alarm. It can actually send out the alarm to a trusted third party, whether it be a parent or a spouse, up to and including 911 with a geolocation to save uh, a person's life. Uh, you know, my son literally almost died. He had a CGM on, he had an insulin pump, and he was in the other room, uh, gave himself a double bolus for a big bag of potato chips at midnight, and by 4 a.m. he was almost dead. And we were sleeping in the other room and didn't know anything about it until my wife just felt something was wrong and then discovered him. Uh, that's crazy, um, and literally there is no product on the market uh, and no one contemplated that would solve that problem besides Bigfoot's. 
is we are connecting uh, up to the grid to make sure that we can have that level of comfort and safety that we have in the rest of our lives. Uh, if somebody is in trouble, you send out the alarm. That's, that's really something. Um, you, you use technology um, uh, for CGM. Is it, are you part, do you use Dexcom? You, do you have something proprietary? What do you do? We used a, a Dexcom uh, in our first clinical trial. Uh, we are in the process of uh, discussions uh, uh, right now to secure our CGM partner for our pivotal trial and for our commercial launch. Uh, that is an announcement uh, we hope to be able to make soon. Cool. And because it, because it occurs to me as you're talking, like as the technology gets better, like even insulin, like when insulin starts working faster, does your will your system just adapt? Like it won't need an overhaul. It doesn't sound like it'll just the speed that the that the insulin works. The system should just learn that and move forward. Is that about right? When things get better, it gets easier for for the system. Um, the the hard part is that you need to anticipate everything that goes wrong, and then still be able to help people even when everything's going wrong. If the insulin is cooked, uh, if they gave the wrong information about the meal. If they uh, have an occlusion, um, if they didn't wash their hands uh, and they calibrated uh, the sensor with an artificially high number, uh, all these things going wrong, these are the things that happen all the time. And every single one of them needs to be, uh, 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 there needs to be a design uh, for safety in terms of identifying when that problem happens and then protecting a person and keeping them safe. Yeah, I just, it's... It's funny, as you're talking about it over and over again, my overly simplistic, I think of the, um, like a Nest thermostat for the house. Like I keep thinking about their marketing where they're like, it just learns. And like, and I don't know if it, that's right. I don't know if it works or not, but that's, that's that, that whole concept of it, it adapts and it learns is just, I mean, it's heartwarming, honestly, when you're talking about an insulin pump, it, it just, it really is, you know? Well, it's crazy that it doesn't work like this already, right? Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, it's a uh, amazing and heroic uh, responsibility just to stay alive with this stupid disease. Uh, the amount of complexity that people have to manage and the amount of planning they have to do and they have to think about uh, uh, when they're feeling uh, happy, sad, sick, uh, it's... Uh, it's too much. It's it's not a reasonable ask of anybody, uh, and especially not a child. No, I know that, that feeling of um, art. My daughter went away last weekend, and she was just really excited. Her, my wife, and her went drove halfway across the country. It felt like to go to this convention for a television show that she liked. She was at a One Tree Hill convention, which I blame Netflix. For, I blame uh -huh. Netflix for because. <laughs> my, my twelve year old would never have known what One Tree Hill was without Netflix. But there they are. And they're getting ready to leave in the morning, and she's going to go with a friend and the friend's mother. And their big plan was they were going to leave here. They were going to stop at, you know, like a, a convenience store and grab some, like, you know, food. And they were going to get on the road. And as she's leaving, her blood sugar is just, it's just going up. And I'm like, oh, my God. So, like, it's just that simple concept of I just wanted to sit in the back of the car with my friend and have breakfast while we started our journey to this thing and have a good time. And... As we're going out the door, I'm like, I said to my wife, I'm like, I am going to give her an obnoxious amount of insulin. And now here's the funny thing. Don't get to the food too fast and don't get to it too slow. And I don't know what that means. You, you, you know, you know yes, what I mean? Exactly. Like, but, but be clear that I've just given her enough insulin to 
to, to I, I say sometimes on here to just take a small pony down, you, you know? So like, but I don't know how quick it's going to work because of all the things that we've spoken about before. Is it an infusion set? Is she sick? Is she just excited? Blah, 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 all that stuff. And the idea that there'll be a day, you know, because Jeffrey, like I live my life thinking that I'm learning how to do all this stuff. And my daughter's A1C is insane. It's five, six right now. It hasn't been over six, two in like four years, but the amount of information and things that I've had to commit to myself to, to make that happen as, as heartwarming as it is to think that I could probably slowly pass it off to her. There is this little part of me that talks to you, talks to, you know, insulin, talks to not, not Medtronic. I don't like the way they did that thing with, with insurance. So I don't care about them, but, but like companies who are out doing things like this. And I just think, wow, if you guys are successful, I might never have to burden her with all this stuff that I know about diabetes, you know, and that, that, that's well, uh, at least a lot of it. Yeah, Ho hopefully right, a lot right, of right. it, you know, this is, this, this is the one thing that, um, uh, you know, uh, people who are approaching this for the first time and, and I explain, um, uh, they're disappointed that we can't solve it completely and just make it go away so that it's an all, all an app and, and then uh, uh, nobody has to think about anything. Um, unfortunately, the technology it doesn't support that. Um, right. uh, you still have to know you have a chronic disease, one which is very serious and one which you need to treat seriously. Um, however, uh, I can take a lot of this stuff off your plate um, and I can just allow you to focus on the really important stuff so if you have a partner that's helping you to think it through, especially think it through at the time when you might be most compromised and most stressed, um, uh, that, that's going to be a very uh, important thing to help uh, keep people safer and, and to leverage the technologies that exist and, and do the most uh, that we can with them. I mean, that's really the way I think about it. Um, there's so much low-hanging fruit. So much low-hanging fruit. The, the, and it's just been left by companies who don't think of these things as lifestyle enhancements. They think of them as machines they sell to people that keep them from dying because they have diabetes. Yes, and you should be lucky to have what you have. Uh, you know, uh, get what you get and don't get upset, as uh, we used to say to my my daughter when she was young. <laughs> and, and and that's just not good enough. Uh, right. It's not good enough anymore. And and that's why Bigfoot uh, exists because. Uh, a bunch of us got together and we just said, not good enough, N not good enough. We don't accept it anymore. Uh, and it doesn't need to be this way. And that's what competition is. So, uh, everybody else, uh, will have to up their game as a result of, you know, Bigfoot's commitment to this. Uh, and that's a good thing. You know, going back to what we said uh, earlier, um, all we ask is the opportunity to offer our uh, solution along with others, uh, in a competitive marketplace of options. Uh, that's the way the world works best. That's the way patients are going to be best served. And, and that's our, our commitment. Can I rapid fire a couple little questions for you? Sure. Um, user settings, as far as target blood sugars, is that definable by the user or will the FDA make you put it at a number that they consider to be safe? Um, well, they will also, they will always, uh, uh, make you do the thing that, uh, is safe. Uh, and safe has to be defined as safe for, you know, all the people who are going to use the system. Um, right. I will say, though, that the idea that you can have one uh, target glucose level that applies to everybody doesn't make any sense. Um, it, it isn't uh, using the technology to the greatest possible extent. We're big believers in individualization. And uh, people have different uh, kinds of diets. They have different... Uh, understanding of nutrition, 
they have different lifestyles as regards exercise. Uh, all these things uh, mean that you should have different uh, targets and different targets at different times of day. So what Bigfoot is going to do is something uh, a little different, which is to actually leverage all the data that we have and to have targets which are informed by your risk of hypoglycemia at that moment in time, as demonstrated by the data. Because what the FDA wants is they want to protect you from being hypo. And that's what everybody wants. That's what the patient wants, the doctor wants. And what your target should be um, at a certain point of the day uh, is actually, it's a math problem. It's not a lifestyle choice as much as a math problem. And people who are very good at uh, counting carbs and, and they bolus 10 minutes before the meal, not you know 30 minutes after, and, and people who uh, are very diligent in terms of uh, how they live their lives, uh, those people uh, are the ones who are going to want the lower set points, right? Because they're, they're successful doing it when they're doing it themselves. So uh, why should they give that up when a machine is doing it? Um, but that gets captured uh, in the Bigfoot system such that you're able to see the, uh, the past and see a person's exposure. And that person uh, that isn't uh, 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 as liable to hypoglycemia will have a, a lower set point at that part of the day. We call it risk-adjusted set points. Um, that's going to be data-driven and it is going to be automated. So it's not something that people can come in and, and change and go from 150 down to 90. Uh, we're trying to solve the big problem that is uh, people uh, generally... They don't understand how to configure those things. The doctors that are going to need to prescribe this stuff don't understand how to set those things. And, and there is an answer that will keep people safe and have, help them to do better than they're doing today. And we have made a conscious choice, and this is something that people, uh, uh, some people might uh, uh, find challenging. We've made a conscious choice to err on the side of simplicity and less configuration and fewer knobs to turn and fewer switches to configure because we feel that in the range of solutions available to people with diabetes, that's the thing that's completely and totally missing. So if we're going to get it wrong, and believe me, I, I'm sure there will be plenty of learnings uh, after our first system in terms of how we can do better. But if we're going to get it wrong, we're going to err on the side of simplicity, ease of use, uh, easier to train, easier to understand. And there might be a tension, or in fact, there will be a tension in terms of configurability versus simplicity. Um, that may be why you need other solutions. You need other approaches that are going to provide more configurability and more tuning. But that's not really the problem Bigfoot's trying to solve. Okay. So here's a question. Overnight lows from insane amounts of activity. Um, mm -hmm. how does, how does the system know that a softball game that my daughter's playing in at noon is going to make her low at 2 AM and how does it stop that? And can it stop that? I guess it, it doesn't is the answer. Uh, it, it, what it knows is that, um, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the glucose is going uh, low and projected to go low, um, that, uh, a basal rate needs to be constrained or, uh, actually eliminated, turned off in response to a low uh, sugar, and as early as possible. Um, uh, if you do so much exercise in one day that is atypical, uh, then you will uh, stress the system. Um, that's going to happen with any of these systems because mm -hmm. uh, there's no way to measure and then predict the impact of exercise reliably because it actually 
depends on the kind of exercise, it depends on the duration, depends on the frequency. And then some people, even if you do the exact same type of exercise, some bodies uh, result in, in very different uh, results in terms of glucose sure. variability. <laughs> so the system just needs to be on guard and adapting. So if you got too much uh, uh, insulin, we're going to cut back. And if we can't cut back enough through turning off the basal rate for a few hours that you're still going to be in trouble, you're going to get an alarm before you go to sleep that you need to consume carbs in order to give yourself a buffer. And then if you completely uh, 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 stress the system and we didn't realize until 2 o'clock in the morning, then it's going to wake you up or it's going to reach out to an authorized third party or in a worst case scenario, it's going to dispatch 911 to save your life. Um, I can't solve every problem ahead of time, but I can sure. build an escalation of things that will make sure that, that you always land safe no matter how much you stress the system. And again, I would, always, I would compare this to what happens today, which okay. is you go to sleep and you hope you wake up. Yeah, it's, it's a lot better. <laughs> it's a lot better than that. <laughs> well, what about in that situation where I know that if I restrict her basal from 8 to 11, that that'll help from 12 to 2? Can I intervene? Or You can tell okay. us that. You can tell okay. us that. And then we will actually uh, cut back on insulin as a result of your giving us that information. But in that situation, we're dependent upon you uh, to, to tell us. And so, because it's an, it's an extraordinary event at that yeah. point. And, and, yeah. and what I have to do is have a system assuming that most people won't tell us. Um, and if you do tell us, it'll be better. Just like if you do uh, do a meal announcement 10 minutes before uh, the meal, as you know, that's going to have a better result. But uh, I have to assume, and this is, again, this is taking a consumer mindset. Uh, when Apple designs a product, they focus on all the ways a person will misuse it first. Because <laughs> you've got to eliminate ways to misuse it, and then you have to actually minimize the, the downside of misuse so that they don't actually destroy their data or uh, you know, somehow uh, uh, have a suboptimal result uh, in the usage of the device. It's the same way for this. I have to, my first ingoing assumption is all the things that you're supposed to do, that you're supposed to be compliant with, uh, as your doctor would say, I have to assume what happens when you don't and how do I help you? And then if you do, it just gets better. But as a base case, let's assume that you're not doing any of this stuff and still you got to be safe. Does everything the system learns about me, does it get saved on board or is it on the cloud or is it both? Like, how do I not lose all that if something goes haywire? It, 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 it first stores it on the pump. Uh, then uh, when the phone uh, is available, it, it goes to the phone and to the cloud uh, when the internet is connected to that phone. Uh, this is so uh, uh, we can use that data to understand how our system's working in the real world and, and actually improve our algorithm over time to improve uh, for the next version of the product. Um, but it's also for uh, making sure that we never lose all your data. So if you drop the pump uh, into the uh, toilet, uh, as my daughter has done with her iPhone inexplicably three times, uh, <laughs> and you need a new one, you didn't lose all the data. So what you do, just like with your iPhone, you, you put it online and it downloads the latest configuration and backup of all your information. Same thing will happen with this pump. Yeah, new pump and I'm right back to where I started. That's right. You don't lose the data. You just have to connect to the grid and you download where you were. So here's something I asked you about the first time we spoke and um, I want to see how, how far you got with it. Is the phone a medical device? Am I writing it off on my taxes like a medical device? Is it cheaper because it's a medical device? Does my insurance cover it because it's a medical device, et cetera? 
Yeah, I wish I had a a, a, a good answer for, for, for that one. Um, I don't think the phone itself is a medical device. Uh, uh, and I think if we do try and make it a medical device, it will inhibit uh, the reimbursement of these systems in a, in a very uh, uh, perverse way. Uh, the, we're going to have to count on people having a smartphone uh, in order to use our system. But I think that's a pretty good bet, uh, given the proliferation. Uh, if you look at not just iOS and, and iPhone, but if you look at you know Samsung, uh, Android, uh, that, that's a good part of the world. Um, uh, maybe one day these things will be so uh, much a part of our uh, healthcare system that they do become a reimbursable expense. But for instance, you have a very perverse outcome uh, that happened recently with Medicare because they're very afraid of this. Uh, so I don't know if you actually saw the uh, uh, actual language of the Medicare reimbursement for CGM, but it actually is completely goofy. It, it says that uh, you must use the receiver uh, with Dexcom. Uh, you're not allowed to use the phone. And literally, if you do connect, even to use the share app, you are going to be disallowed for coverage. So they're so afraid of a phone being caught up in the reimbursement uh, uh, expense that they literally said, your phone can't even talk to your medical device or else we're not going to cover it. Because the minute you do, then someone like me is going to ask that next question. And then they're gonna I think that's, I think that that's right. I think they're looking out. <laughs> they're saying yeah, yeah, they're going to yeah. come after us. They're going to say, well, if you let me use this phone, then I will be able to stick you with the cost. And while I, you know, I'm a patient advocate, I, I wish they would. I think that may be uh, a bad thing for us to try and achieve at this stage because uh, they might use it as a way to deny coverage for, for everything. And so I'm trying to do everything but the phone. All you have to do is bring the phone. Uh, everything else is on me, uh, but table stakes will be having a phone. Well, I think the good news there is that that language tells me that, that uh, I'm right and it should be covered. Because if, if I wasn't right, then they wouldn't be afraid to have the argument. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm with you, as you know. Yeah. But I'm also, uh, my goal is to get this in the this hands forward. of a lot of people, uh, to get it reimbursed as quickly as possible. And my suggestion would be, let's fight that battle in, in you know, uh, a second step. Because uh, you know, once, uh, once you're doing it, uh, it, it makes the argument even powerful, uh, even more powerful that that, that should be a... Because uh, you will get to the point where you, you'll have people that don't have these phones or don't have access to the latest phone that will literally be deprived of the standard of care. Uh, but then that'll be a good place uh, to make that argument. Uh, today, it's all theoretical, right? Yeah, yeah. Are you... I guess this is a, it would be another business, but I mean, I guess theoretically, you could design a a device that could could get on the internet and do all these things that wouldn't need to be a phone. But I guess that's that that's a, a probably such a small set of people that you probably would go broke trying to make that happen. Actually, I, I think it's a, a very good point. Um, uh, I, I think there are some use cases where the phone isn't the best uh, way to do this. Um, I think I think if you're going to say what's the first uh, product to have that's going to meet the needs of most people. Uh, having these phones and, and having people with such a uh, relationship to the phone that they're, uh, you know, that's where they're living their lives already. That's where you want this app that is going to be interfacing your system because that makes it most convenient. But for instance, you take somebody in a nursing home, uh, 
having uh, a person who, you know, uh, God forbid, may have type 1 diabetes and then may have dementia as well, maybe they're not the ones using the app. And that uh, you have a few of these people and maybe there's a device that manages multiple patients because that's the way to do it in a uh, inpatient setting. And as people with type 1 diabetes live longer and and have the same sort of issues with uh, aging as, as the rest of us, uh, you're going to have a lot of those folks. And, and maybe a consumer phone that you bought at the Apple store isn't the best way to do that. Um, right. I, but that's down the road um, for special markets. But I think it's an important market. I'm glad to hear you say that. Too. that that's, Jeffrey, listen, I like talking to you. This is fantastic. I've kept you an hour already. Um, but I want to wrap up with just just kind of going over when, when, when are we going to – so this will go up in two weeks. Um, I have something already set for Tuesday that I can't move because of because of the person it is. So I'm no going to put you up right right after that. So tell me what is it we're looking forward to hearing from you in the very near future? Well, you're going to hear more about our uh, desire to have a a platform, uh, uh, not just to pump, uh, but to to meet the needs of people more broadly, uh, regardless of how they prefer to give themselves insulin. Uh, we need options. Uh, people need choices, uh, and they need to be able to switch back and forth. Um, uh, you're going to hear more about that. You're going to hear about our CGM partnership, uh, which I, I believe will be in a position to announce in the relatively near future. And then you're going to hear about pivotal trials that are going to be starting uh, uh, you know, uh, later this year. The, this is uh, the next big step for us. We're, we're very excited. Uh, we're, we're coming up on uh, three years in existence. Uh, and the dream is coming true. Um, we, uh, uh, we're seeing uh, all the things that we had hoped uh, happen. We've got the company to deliver this product to the marketplace. We've been able to raise the investment capital to uh, endorse it. Uh, I couldn't be more pleased and more happy, and, and uh, I'm just really looking forward to, to putting our option out there to uh, give people another choice. I can't wait to see it. I'm never more genuinely excited than when I talk to you about this because of your passion and because I, I, no lie about just how fast you've made it you know you forced it forward into this into this place that it's at right now it feels like sheer will that got you here this quickly well it's will it's not just my will though I, i'm i'm the one who uh, uh has the uh, great fortune to be the leader but I, I i'm not the one doing all the work i'm i'm the one you hear from but I've, there are amazing people here who are the most committed mission-driven team uh, on the planet and they're just doing miracles every day in order to make this possible it is a hard thing, but uh, these are the people to do it. And I'm, I'm just really, uh, it's my honor to work with them. You're just the one that gets stuck going on the podcast to talk about it. That's I, I, I love talking <laughs> to you. I appreciate I the really opportunity. I really do appreciate it. No, I, I do too. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for doing this. And like I said, it, it'll be up in about a week and a half. But, but I really appreciate you coming on. I hope you have a good weekend. You too. Talk Thanks to you so again much, soon. Jeffrey. Bye-bye. Take care. Huge thank you to Jeffrey Brewer from Bigfoot Biomedical for coming back on the show a second time to talk about his progress with their artificial pancreas and other amazing things, as you heard. I want to remind you here, because let's be honest, a lot of you might be new to the podcast. There are tons of amazing episodes that you can go back to. And that's not just me calling them amazing because I made them. Oh, the dog's going to snore through this. There's no way we're getting around that. Listen, just the episode before this, episode 111 from the television show Baby Daddy, Actor Derek Thieler comes on to talk about having diabetes since he was three years old. Oh, in episode 109, an entire episode, a thoughtful conversation, you keep snoring, Basil, about menstruation and diabetes. 
And there's a thousand euphemisms for getting your period in that one. So it's a lot of fun. I got a ton of emails recently about number 108, Super Stephanie. People seem to love that episode. Go back to 105, Jenny Smith and I, a certified diabetes educator from Integrated Diabetes. We just talked about A1C for an hour and a half. Love it. Come on. You got to go. Go back. Episode 100, Revisiting Bold with Insulin. College on day one with type one. Episode 88, Jesse was here. Episode 90. And that dog is just going to snore through this like you don't know. Go ahead, Basil. You keep snoring, buddy. That seemed willful how we kind of stopped right there, didn't it? What a spiteful dog. If you're enjoying the Juice Box Podcast, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and a review. If you're not enjoying the Juice Box Podcast, please don't do that. And finally, a huge thank you to Omnipod and Dexcom for being so kind as to sponsor the Juicebox Podcast. And thank you for visiting myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox and dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Because when you do that, when you put the clicky clicky on there, you know you're supporting the podcast. Come back next week. We're going to be talking about diabolemia with Mandy. Until then.